Welcome back to Kings of Columbus. Doug Lane, Maurice, and Bill Landis. We're gone. We're not gone. We're not gone. Landis, people no. thought perhaps the show was dead. Didn't they? Some people did. Some people did, yeah. Yeah. So listen, listen. Bill, do people know you were you were ill? Has that been public knowledge? I think I've done enough shows sounding like this for them to know that I was and still currently am ill. Yeah. Yeah. So we had the he had to recover. He's getting better, but that's why we haven't been doing Kings of Columbus. And we worked in some Kings of the North because, my gosh, it was a Michigan-Washington national title game. But we're not abandoning our full-time Ohio State obligations. Not obligations, opportunities. That's right. We love talking about the Buckeyes. And Bill does it all the time with Berman Austin, but I don't get to do it except for here. So this is not going away. And, and, and as you guys know, Kings of the North has moved into another feed. You can go find us there on YouTube wherever you find podcasts, Kings of the North. We did a lot of stuff previewing Washington, Michigan. We did an hour and 15 minute live post game show after Washington, Michigan. And that's in those feeds. And we are expanding Kings of the North. But the plan is, Bill, I think you and I will continue. Even when Kings of the North is fully up and running, I think we're going to do a Kings of Columbus every week. We want the, yeah. we want the local brand, man. So, yeah, no, I mean, that that that's my plan. Am I, I don't know, be, be shorter or be like maybe – same amount of talking, but perhaps split up into some different shows. Oh. But yeah, we're not we're not uh, going anywhere with this this show. So, so we're excited to be back. And what we are talking about here, we're going to deep dive Will Howard because Bill and I have not had the chance to do that yet. We're going to talk a little bit about Quinshawn Judkins and his commitment to Ohio State. We're going to start off talking about the general aggression by Ohio State in the portal. And we did some stuff on roster building. I thought it was a good show on Washington and Michigan going into that game. And there, one of the categories we talked about, I mean, we talked about experience, we talked about the geography, we talked about star rating, we also talked about transfers and high school recruits. And we had a breakdown with those two teams, and I want to compare that to Ohio State, because the roster building for teams like Michigan and Washington remains very different than where Ohio State is. But I do think there are some things that are worth comparing and that Ohio State can learn. And then, by the way, after we deep dive Will Howard, so it's like portal aggression, Will Howard deep dive, and then what you? People need to know what we've been eating. Uh, yours is yeah, going to be just tea, not, right? Yeah, just not a whole lot tea. lately. Yeah, You're a tea expert now? I have visual aids for my what you're eating. Because I'm very excited because I've seen them and they look insane. So I can't wait to see what it's about. I think about this show, Kings of, the, Kings of Columbus and Kings of the North, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is constantly on my mind. And I am constantly looking for opportunities to enhance the show. So I was eating lunch, and I was like, I've got my whatcha eating. So anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to that at the end. And I pro I will say this. There are a lot of Ohio State fans, this is an Ohio State show, who do not want to talk about, think about, know about, if we could men in black their brains and wipe away the fact that Michigan just won the national title, we would do that for Ohio State fans. We understand that. My whatcha thinking is going to talk a little bit about the fact that Michigan won the national title and what it means for Ohio state. And I have a survey that's part of that. It will be the last thing we talk about on this show. So we're not talking about it anymore right now. If you want to go listen to Kings of the North, go listen to our analysis of that game. But I want to talk about it from Ohio state perspective at the end, but I want to start by talking about what Ohio state is doing with their aggression in the portal. And this is roster building bill. And this is the point I want to get to. When we looked at Washington and Michigan, their top 35 players. For those two teams, I drew that line basically at 200 snaps on either offense or defense. It was a pretty natural line for both those teams. 
for Ohio State, the 200 snap threshold, which is a little bit of an indication of like they don't play as many guys. Yeah. I, I had to pull it down a little bit to, to include some more guys to get to their top 35, but I still got to their top 35. Michigan, 27 high school recruits, eight transfers. And I think six or seven of those eight transfers were like guys who arrived in 2023 and immediately became one of their top 35, which is basically guys that matter. Washington, 27 high school recruits, six other six major college transfers, two junior college transfers, but still 27 and eight in who you got out of high school, who you added later. Do you want to guess what Ohio State's breakdown of their top 35 guys, offense, defense, what their breakdown was of high school recruits versus transfers in 2023? Um, 33 high school, two transfer. 32 to three. That's a very good guess. Because who are the three transfers? I was trying to remember them quickly. So Davis Nigmanosin. Yep. Um, Josh Simmons. Yep. And, and then the, the other one's not a transfer this year. It's a little harder. Chip Trainum. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. So those are the three guys. So when you think about 27 to 8 versus 32 to 3, and Michigan is more specifically, right? Michigan, when you think about who they added, Ernest Hausman as a linebacker from Nebraska, who wasn't a starter, but was kind of like their next up linebacker who could play at times. Three guys on the offensive line that they added this year, two of whom became starters, one became a top-level backup from then. Their second tight end, who's not their best tight end, but really is a starter offensively with their 12 personnel. Yeah. A, a starting corner that they got from UMass because they identified a hole and they went out and grabbed a guy. When you think about 2023 Ohio State, does 32 to 3 compared to 27 to 8 for Michigan and Washington seem off? Is that a little short? Would you say that's not the ideal mix for Ohio State? Or would you say, hey, 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 Ohio State, you're Ohio State. Go recruit top 100 high school guys. And if Michigan and Washington have to patch holes, so be it. 32 to 3 is a good balance for Ohio State. I think generally it's a good balance for Ohio State. Um, I'm of the mind that Ohio State shouldn't have to routinely patch holes in its roster with transfers. That's what the portal is there for, for Ohio State to do that. But I don't think Ohio State should be in the territory of having to bring in you know, eight every year to be impact players. So so the balance last year generally I think is okay, but we're closer to it so we understand the the complexion of the roster. Like it sh I think it should have been higher last year when you think of some of the holes they had that weren't addressed. And maybe there should have been like one more offensive lineman. Um, I think you could have made an argument for like another tight end maybe. Um, and that's probably it. I don't know. I don't know if I really nothing else on defense, but maybe maybe it should have been a tick higher for for that particular roster last year. But I think generally, I don't I don't have much of an issue with with that balance there. Okay, so you don't have an issue, but it's changing. Yeah, because do we not believe? I think right now, as we look at Ohio State's twenty twenty four roster, are we not at a point where there are going to be at least six guys among their top thirty five? who are transfers and those six being Davis and Nick Bignosen and Josh Simmons as carryovers from this year. And the four guys they have added in the portal so far, starting quarterback, Will Howard, we assume running back Quinshawn Judkins, who's either going to be with Trevion Henderson or is going to be the number one guy by himself. Seth McLaughlin, who's the center. Is he the center next year? 
That's what we're anticipating. Yeah. And then Will Kaczmarek, the tight end from Ohio, who is at least their number two tight end. Yeah, and right. possibly their number one tight end. Yeah, and possibly number one. So okay, you're okay with thirty-two to three. They're already jumping to twenty-nine to six. And honestly, like I, I'm on tackle alert. I'm on tackle. Are you on tackle portal alert or no? I'm on offensive lineman alert. Um, and I, and ideally tackle, um, I think like it could be a guard. Maybe if you think like Luke Montgomery's ready, but mo- more, more than likely tackle. I think I'm still on alert for that. Yeah. Okay. And then depending on some NFL decisions, I think that would influence if there's anybody else that you, you would think, right? So, I mean, there's there's some guys. Linebacker was a position, as we record here on Tuesday morning, Tackett Curtis, the one-time Ohio State recruiting target who went to USC, just transferred to Wisconsin. When he went in the portal, it was like, oh, okay, I don't yeah. know. Maybe you go get Tackett Curtis. Um, there certainly are some guys with all the depth they lost at safety. I think safety is a spot where you could you could maybe see them adding a guy who maybe doesn't start but could become one of your top 35 players. So I do yeah. think it's possible – that we get to by next year, their mix is going to be 27 high school recruits and eight transfers among their top 35 guys, which would now match what Washington and Michigan did. Yeah. And I don't like as a, as a one year thing, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's, that's a, that's a problem. Um, That is, that is Ohio state doing what I think it should do. And maybe what it didn't do aggressively enough last year. I, I think they're kind of writing that wrong a little bit with, as they build their roster for 2024. My, my issue would only be if every year, year over year, Ohio State's in the neighborhood of like eight to 10 transfers who are impact players. I just, I still think transfer recruiting is too much of a crapshoot for that to be reliable year over year if you're trying to win national championships. Um, but as like a one year deal where you're plugging some holes at positions that, you know, had some subpar recruiting in the last three, four years, I think that's totally fine. And then you like quarterback is an unexpected piece of this, but I think they clearly had to go out and, and, and get one and they did with, with Will Howard. So I, I don't, Again, as someone who's like on on the side of Ohio State should be taking less transfers or fewer transfers more often, I'm still not like being, I'm not going to be an alarmist about this roster looking like it's going to have in the neighborhood of like six to eight impact transfers among its top 35 players. Can I just can I just give a shout out there for your self correction from less to fewer? Like, Thank that's, you. not every podcast does that. You know who doesn't yeah. do that? McAfee. They're not correcting less to fewer on McAfee. Yeah. So I just want to acknowledge my wife is a copy editor. Like we're like, this is, you know, mm, chef's kiss. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't even know what you said about like roster management for the football yeah. team that we cover, whatever, but like great grammar. I I want to do this. I'm as I've, I say a million times, it's like on Kings of the North here. It's like, I just want to, I want to create ways to analyze the sport. I want to create shorthands the way that so many other people did. Once upon a time when I was still at Cliba.com, I tried to create a basketball stat, which I named after Will Buford, which was like, if you go like, uh, like if you take like at least 15 shots and, and like only and shoot like less than 25% from the field, it's a Buford. Cause he was two for 16 and the loss to Kentucky in this, in the sweet 16 or whatever that was. So like I, that didn't catch on. Have you ever heard anyone reference a Buford? Uh, I have like, not. I made up one when I used to cover basketball full time um, that I named after Mark Loving. And I can't remember what it was. Adam Jardy would know. He, he remembers it because he asked me about it all the time. I think it was like if you have um, like more, I think it was if you have like more turnovers than you had like 
combined made shots and free throws or something like that. I can't, okay. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're, that's what we're, what we're shooting for here. I do think this top 35 thing is a reference point. And again, I, I think there are people misjudging Michigan's national championship and talking about Michigan as if it, it's, it's a nod to like bad recruiting. But when you talk about like the guys that play for Michigan, 63% of those 35 guys are blue chip recruits either at Michigan or the school where they went to originally. So like, yeah. I, like there, are th- but I, this top 35, your portal percentage of your top 35 guys, I'm interested in. And that might be something I dive into this off season. But like, for instance, I think old miss might wind up in a world where they're over 50% in the portal. And I like, I, that's not a plan for anybody, but I, I do think it like maybe in the range of like, between 15 and 30% is the right winning range for good programs of your top 35 guys. And so Ohio state was not in that range in 2023 and they will be in that range in 2024. So I think that's worth noting. I have, and I can feel this from the NFL and it makes me feel like an old fuddy-duddy, but it makes me feel good that you are also an old fuddy-duddy because you're kind of like, hey, hey, not too much in the portal there, guys. You know, you build your team from the ground up, which is I'm sort of like, ah, free agency. Yeah. Draft your guys and live with your mistakes. I love punishment for mistakes. Even though, I mean, I make mistakes all the time. I probably have not been punishing up, and this is the <laughs> result. I, I love like, well, that was your horrible draft. And so now you can't tackle anybody. <laughs> Suffer. I love what's like, well, that's your horrible recruiting evaluations. You didn't get the three guys you needed to get. And now you cannot protect your quarterback. Suffer. And those worlds are gone. So, but I'm still a little bit uncomfortable with that. So I do also have some portal apprehension. It just, I, I think, especially in high school, when guys, especially guys who commit like a year early. And so, like, even if you only get three years of them, but they were a recruit for a year and then they early enrolled, and it's like you really get to know a guy. And I still think that experience in college football is the best experience. I think for the fans who we care about the most, and I also think for the players, and that matters. So I like going crazy in the portal is still like not my natural inclination. I asked this question to the tech subscribers, by the way, we're back. Like it's one of those things, like sometimes like Ohio state's not in the playoff and Michigan's doing great. And we're like, we're not going to hit you over the head with trying to sell you tech subscriptions on this show. That time has passed. We're hitting you over the head again. <laughs> hey, be a tech subscriber. There's all kinds of stuff happening. 614-662-4509. You get a two week free trial. And it's uh, six bucks a month after that. And like the off season isn't actually is an interesting time to be a tech subscriber because we're going to be coming up with topics. There's news percolating. There's recruiting stuff percolating. And it's not as front of mind as during the season. But then in its own way, the text serves like a very different purpose that when it's during the season, it's natural. Hey, I'm subscribed to the text, man. It's football season. Here we go. But then it's like, OK, maybe you're not thinking about football all the time, but it's like, hey, I got a text about football. I like football. Oh, what a yeah. nice February reminder. I'm shoveling the snow. What's this? Is this my spouse texting me? No, it's a text about football. Oh, the show, the snow shoveling just got a little bit better because <laughs> Bill Landis sent me a film clip. So it serves a different purpose. 614-662-4509. You, t- you text stop back to us and you get out. 
you can do it before the two weeks are up. You don't have to pay a dime. Survey. Ohio State seems to be getting more aggressive in the transfer portal, adding a quarterback, running back, center, and tight end so far. What do you think of Ohio State's increased portal activity? These are the choices, Landis. Basically, I, I like it. No, I'll start at the top. I love it. I like it. It's okay. I don't like it. Which do you think won among the tech subscribers? Love it. Love it. 52% love it. 42% like it. 5% okay, which I said, okay, I reluctantly accept it, but I much prefer high school recruiting and development, which actually is, I think, what I would vote for. 0% don't like it which I wanted to leave the door open of like, listen, man, like this portal stuff is not what I signed up for. Zero percent. Yeah. Zero. That's good. I'm glad that's the case. That's, we, that's people understanding the, the state of play now. Yeah. What, what yeah. would you have voted for? Would you have voted for okay or would you have been like it? Seems like you're definitely not love it. Yeah. Um, probably like it, I think. Okay. Because I think this cycle required it. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say like it. And that's how I couched it. Like it, needed now, but be careful to not overdo it. Yeah, was what I said about like it. So that's fit you. I I still it's a little more towards okay. We're ninety four percent love it or like it, more love than like. So that is, I think, an acknowledgement of the world, an acknowledgement of particular shortcomings at Ohio State that needed to be solved, probably only through the portal, and an acknowledgement of hey, Michael Penix is a transfer. He looks pretty good. Bo Nix is a transfer. He looks pretty good. Drake Nugent and Ladarius Henderson and AJ Barner and Josh Wallace sure seem to be helping out Michigan. Their transfers, they're pretty good. I, I think it is an acknowledgement of internal reality and external reality, which is healthy because it's not very fun to hate the sport that you love. So, like, go with the flow, man, right? Oh, no, what happened? Yeah. Something happened. It, it, actually, it's just very funny. And then uh, Adam Jardy and I rarely text each other, but he just texted me about someone having a loving <laughs> for real. Is he listening to oh, we're not live? He's so not, we we're not live. We're show. not live. He just texted me. So it's when you have more turnovers than made field goals is what it is. Yeah. You spoke it into existence. It's so wow. funny. I can't believe that happened. Get Mark loving on the show. So, yeah. so this is, a, do you think, I do think this is both necessity, but also a bit of a transformation. This like Ryan Day from being like, hey, man, we don't want to bring guys in here and have them jump the line ahead of the guys who have been in the program, who we have relationships with, who have been working and building towards something. Uh, you know, they just brought in Judkins, man. They spent a lot of time talking about Dallin Hayden's red shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just like that would also I think that's my ska band name. Dallin Hayden's red shirt. Dallin Hayden's red shirt. <laughs> Dude, that's actually not ska. That would be uh, reggae. Um, ding, 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 ding. Uh, now I can't do ska. All I know is the mighty mighty boss tone. So whatever, I don't have like, the I don't have the voice for it, or else I'd hit you yeah. with some horns. Yeah, yeah. Dallin Hayden's red shirt. Put your hands together. We'd be the opening act for the Dead Shembecklers. <laughs> Dallin Hayden's red shirt. And then we wouldn't come out on stage because it, it it's meaningless and it should never have existed. Dallin Hayden's right. red shirt. But like, is it, when you see this now? It, do you, so so we'll talk about Quinshawn Judkins, and, and we'll sort of move into this part of it, and and we'll talk about the excitement level specifically about adding him, a guy who's run for fifteen hundred and eleven hundred yards last two years in the SEC. Is this a specific situation? Chip Trainum left, Evan Pryor left, like the rooms thinned out a little bit. 
They had a Mark Fletcher flip last year. They had another flip in this class. Like there, there legitimately is a hole. Or is this an acknowledgement of like, no, it's 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 not really situational. It's like, bro, good player in the portal. Like, we're just gonna get him. And we are no longer as worried about whether he's jumping the line ahead of one of our high school recruits. Yeah, this one is is unique because I, I think it it's kind of both, depending on what Travion Henderson decides to do. I guess the best way to say it is like Quinshawn Judkins came to Ohio State and Ohio State took Quinshawn Judkins, at least at the moment, under the impression that he and Travion Henderson are going to play together. Now, Travion still has to make his decision, and we'll see where that goes. But if that's the case, and it's just like, hey, a really good player wants to come to Ohio State, we're not, we weren't looking necessarily for an impact running back, but the best running back in the portal decided he wanted to come to Ohio State. Of course, of course, we're going to take him. So I think it's that. And then if Travion decides to leave, then then it can kind of become more of the first thing you were talking about. But at the moment, I'm, I I think it's more of like, what? Yeah, of course we're going to take this guy. And I don't I don't know, I don't think Ohio State has ever really operated that way. Um, all, all the portal action they've done to this point has been, I think, addressing glaring needs. Um, and I think it's fair to say running back was a need because. Even if Travion came back and Dallin Hayden came back, he still only had four scholarship running backs, and two of them were true freshmen. But I don't know that you look at that room and say, like, we need to go get a dude. Um, yeah. And they did get a dude here with with Quinshot Junkin. So I think this is this is a little this is this is a more aggressive play than I think we're used to seeing from Ohio State in the portal. People all for it. I had asked previously in a Will Howard survey, what's your excitement level one to ten on Will Howard? And then I just asked this now for a Judkins survey and the excitement level for Will Howard is a 7.23 in that moment, right after he committed pretty good. The excitement level for Judkins is 8.32. So this is looking at somebody who burst on the scene with 1500 yards at Old Miss two seasons ago. And like, okay. And and like, this is, it's, it's, it's an inelegant comparison, but if Travion's back and this is not a Judkins deep dive, because I, I almost think, for us here on this show, and you guys have done more certainly on on Snap Judgments, the podcast daily, talking about Judkins. We need to know if Trey's back or not before we deep, 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 deep dive him here because it's such a different situation. Somehow, yes. if he's back, there's a version of Will Howard, Quinchon Judkins, Travion Henderson that I think is within range in terms of three running threats that's in range of J.J. McCarthy, Blake Quorum, Donovan Edwards. Yep. I think you're right. I Ryan Day wants to be Michigan. Ryan Day wants to be Is he sit? Does Ryan Day in his heart and soul? This is like love, right? People that love the one you're with, right? Like situational. Does Ryan Day situationally want to be Michigan because the opportunity – to have a three-headed rushing attack presented itself, or does he in his heart and soul want to be Michigan? Because it's one thing to be like, we got to be tough. Like We can't have it. We're not going to do it. We're not going to come back after a 10-day break on Kings of Columbus and have a T-word conversation. That's not yeah. what we're here for. This is a lesson. We want people to be happy and excited. Michigan won the national title, and Judkins committed to Ohio State like 10 minutes later. We're not having a T-word conversation. But like, there's one thing to have a T-word conversation when it's like, that's not who you are. A C.J. Stroud T-word conversation when your entire running back room is is hurt is insane. Those three guys, I'm more open to a T-word. It makes more sense. Yeah, it makes more sense. 
you need the offensive line piece, right? And we don't have to have that conversation now. But ah, shit, I, I forgot. About I that. I said this on the snap judgments when when they got Quinshawn Judkins. Like, I am on alert for. I don't know even know if it's a philosophical shift um, with the offense because we saw they were incredibly run heavy in Ryan Day's first year as a head coach when they had Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins, but maybe a, a step or two back in that direction for this offense. I think is on the table with what they've amassed in the portal for a year or for good. Maybe, maybe it's unique just to this year. I, I don't yeah. know. Like, because even if they have Travion and Quinchon Junkins this year, they're not going to have them the year after that. So yeah. this could be like yeah. a, a unique one-time deal. Don't tell Jeremiah Smith. I mean, he'll still get his. Uh, also, by the way, in that scenario is not, Travion Donovan Edwards and Judkins is Blake Corum. Mm. Judkins is a tackle breaker. Like I and I know you went through this. Yes. This is not yeah. a, these are not yeah. a Judkins deep dive. When you look at tackle breaking the last two seasons, Judkins has like 150 and Travion Henderson has like 40. And it's because Trey doesn't let people try to tackle him. Trey hits a hole and then or gets to the edge and is gone, like you saw Donovan Edwards do in the national championship game. Yes. Judkins is running through people. Trey is running by people. Yeah, I think that's right. I, that, that's probably the proper short, because I don't think um, Quinshawn Junkins is, is a complete back in every sense of the word. I don't think he has, like, blow you away long speed the same way that Trayvon Henderson does, and he's more of a run through you, um, stiff arm you like, kind of guy. Like, yeah, so that's more like a Blake Corum. Yeah. Can I make it? This is not a – this is a situational comparison. Um, just in the course of talking about things one time, uh, I did have a very brief conversation with Ryan day about how good Jameer Gibbs was for Alabama and everything he was doing for him, for them in the one year after he transferred from Georgia tech to Alabama. And it, it was just like, man, isn't that good? Right. Just like acknowledging greatness in other situations. And that feels on the table here a little bit with Judkins of like you think about what Jameer Gibbs, he was a good running back at Georgia Tech. He went to Alabama. Um, they didn't I don't they didn't give him the ball 30 times a game, but there were moments when it was like, oh my gosh, like that guy just did it, just bailed Bama out of a situation, and yeah. then he becomes a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. And it doesn't mean that Ryan Day didn't like what he had, but it was like you could look at other places and say, wow, how did Bama do that? And I, this is like Ohio State's version of that. Yeah, no, it, it is. I, I think Judkins is that kind of game breaker. And honestly, I think Travion could be that kind of game breaker too in a world where he is not carrying the ball 250 times in a season. And I think that's that's the ideal situation here is that Quinshawn Judkins, who has the most carries in the country over the last two years, doesn't have to do that anymore. And that Travion Henderson – who's had durability issues throughout his career, doesn't have to be that guy either. And I think both of them see the value in that. That's why I think that's why Quinn John Junkins came here. And I think Travion understands like the market for running backs enough to know that like wear and tear and durability matter. So he wants to protect himself a little bit too. So I think it could be a really tremendous situation for both of them, provided Travion decides to come back. 2022 at Alabama, Jameer Gibbs, 151 carries, 926 yards. Wasn't a thousand yard rusher. 6.1 yards per carry, 44 catches, 444 yards. So overall yards from scrimmage, he's almost at 1,400. But, you know, they gave him the ball to carry it like 
12 times a game. And then he was a top 15 draft pick and is like a huge part of a piece as a rookie for an NFL playoff team. So it's like, there's, there's some stuff here. Okay. So uh, Judkins and Howard together, like both very excited, both. um, I think unique situations that are, that are not exactly a sign of things to come, but make sense in the moment in very different ways. So now we're going to dive. We're going to dive in on this quarterback situation at Ohio State, how they got here, why they got here, and then Will Howard, what he does, what he does well, where he can get better, and what it means for Ohio State. We'll do all that next on Kings of Columbus. Back on Kings of Columbus, we're not dead. Bill's just drinking tea. 69 power, five teams last year, Bill Landis. My rough estimation, I will do deeper dive in the offseason. How many of those 69 teams was their primary quarterback a transfer at from at some point in their career? So, so I have to get a little bit deeper. For instance, Jordan Travis started yeah. his career at Louisville and then played at Florida State for four years. I still count him as a transfer on this because he was not recruited out of high school by the team that he played for. Um, for instance, Utah, Cam Rising started his career at Texas, then transferred to Utah, but then he didn't play. Bryson Barnes became their quarterback. He was a high school recruit. So Utah's plan was to have a transfer, but really then they played a high school guy. So I counted Utah as playing a high school guy. So there's a little, you know, for teams that played multiple quarter, bottom line, generally speaking, 69 teams, how many played transfer quarterbacks as their main guy? 23. 39. Whoa, 39 really? 69. 39 of Holy 69. Crap. Here is the breakdown by conference because Dougie be doing some math. Um, let's see. Oh, he has too many things in his notebook. Um, big 10, seven out of 14 transfer quarterbacks, yeah. sec, eight out of 14 transfer quarterbacks, big 12, nine out of 14 transfer quarterbacks, pack 12, six out of 12 transfer quarterbacks, ACC, eight out of 14 and Notre Dame had a transfer quarterback wrinkle. Of the 30 quarterbacks who were homegrown starters for their Power 5 teams, 14 of them have now transferred, including Kyle. No Ford. way. Really? So it's like, even it's like, oh, uh, oh. Uh, like last year in the Big Ten West, every single team had a transfer quarterback in the Big Ten West except Minnesota. Ethan Kaliak manis that's how you do it. Transfer. Transferred. So now I'm going to look and see, like, how many teams in 2023 and 2024 will play a homegrown recruit at quarterback both seasons. Like it's not right. So like Carson Beckett, Georgia. Okay. Yeah. Jalen Milrow, even though he got benched for a game, kept the job at Alabama. Okay. But like it is, it is everywhere brother. And so this is one of those things. And Justin Fields would have qualified for this a couple of years ago. It's not like Ohio state never had a transfer quarterback before, but as they delve into this world for a second time, man, 39 out of 69. Welcome to the club, Ohio State. That boy, I, I can't believe it's that high. Like, I knew it was the way of the world, and a lot of teams did it, but I didn't know it was more than half. Um, yeah, get ready. And, like, some of those teams, like, they, the counted on your list had multiple transfer quarterbacks. Like, Ole Miss had, has three. I think Oklahoma State has three. It's kind of yeah. It's insane. Yeah, it's like, which of the transfer quarterbacks are you going to choose from? So, um, you know, like the people who just like had their guy and didn't 
never deviated. You know, Clemson and Clay, Cade Klubnik. Okay. North Carolina and Drake May. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, it's just Georgia and Carson Beck. Okay. Even it's like one of those, it's like Vanderbilt, like played a homegrown quarterback and he transferred to LSU this offseason. Yeah. Like it's like nobody, nobody can keep anybody. West Virginia and Garrett Green stands out. Like they kind of had a guy who's going to be their guy, right? So it's, 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 so it's, it's the way of the world. So I wanted to get that out there. Context matters when Ohio State's kind of going through a thing. And, and maybe that's a little bit unfamiliar. It's unfamiliar here. It's normal in the sport. 39 to 69, tell your friends. I can't remember where I had this discussion. I think we had this discussion. Um, does Ohio State need a great quarterback to for the Ryan Day offense to function? Because... Coming into this season, I was very much on the like good enough. Can Kyle McCord be good enough? I certainly no one was like, not he's not gonna be great, but will he be good enough? But then when you think about Justin Fields and CJ Stroud, they're great. Yeah. CJ's great. We did a CJ pod in the middle of the year on Kings of Columbus that was one of our lower listened to pods shows. The fact that we spent any time last year talking about whether CJ Stroud should run more makes me want to throw my microphone through a window. <laughs> like it's rare. So I think the so so the bottom line is I want to get into a discussion later of how much Will Howard could elevate in the Ohio State offense because Michael Penix wasn't Michael Penix when he got to Washington, he elevated. Bo Nix wasn't Bo Nix when he got to Oregon, he elevated. Jaden Daniels wasn't Jaden Daniels when he got to LSU, he elevated. He won the Heisman. Like the success stories in the portal are not as many fully complete just pluck the guy and expect him to be the same. It's a lot of elevation. Dylan Gabriel was pretty darn good at Central Florida, but then it's a step up. I mean, I think Oklahoma was counting on a little bit of an elevation, got it to a decent degree. Now he's going to Oregon. Like, do you think we'll – so that's not – well, maybe we'll move up that conversation actually now because it's kind of the same thing. Will, out, will Howard elevate? Must he elevate? Like, do they need a great quarterback? Or – is a good enough quarterback, especially if there's a two-headed monster at running back, enough for Ohio State? And I will preface it by saying, I would have said once upon a time, absolutely, like good enough is fine. And now I'm reconsidering that a little bit. And I wonder if like almost quarterback greatness is required for them to win a national championship here. I th I, I think I would lean more towards they need a great quarterback. I, did, I The way the offense is designed, I just don't know that there's like a lot of easy throws in there. Like there are some for sure. But like you watch the way that Bo Nix was able to elevate at Oregon, like they put him in some pretty comfortable situations, get the ball out quickly, let the let the playmakers do it, you a massive ridiculous amount of production, and you become a Heisman finalist. And I think that's that's also similar for Michael Penix. It's a, it's different. Michael Penix throws the ball down the field more, but there's a lot of quick stuff in that offense too. I don't know that there's a lot of that in Ohio State's offense. I think Ryan Day expects of his quarterbacks to make strong, aggressive throws down the field, to make full field reads, to um, you know, do a lot of like um, option route stuff. Like it's, yep. it's a, it requires, I think a pretty high level of quarterback play. Um, now we can have a conversation about whether that's necessary. Cause I, I'm increasingly, increasingly of the mind that maybe it's not. And perhaps the, the difficulty degree of difficulty is a little too high, 
Um, and there's also the element too of like if Ryan Day brings in a new offensive coordinator, like what, how does the offense change if at all? Um, but the offense we've come to know the last couple of years, yes, I think it requires a great quarterback for the offense to be as good as it as it wants as it needs to be uh, for the team to win a national championship. Okay, so it's not, and and it really is. I mean, the conversation sometimes that I think we're had by national media sometimes in trying to evaluate C.J. Stroud and being like, well, I don't know, man, is it just Jackson and Garrett and Chris? Is it just Marvin and Mecca? Like, I don't like what, how much is it? It's CJ. It was CJ. And it doesn't mean that Marvin Harrison Jr. Wasn't great this year, but it was CJ. And there was a lot of stuff that Justin Fields did. That was Justin Fields. So you are saying that you do believe this Ohio state offense for Ohio state to win at the highest level does require a great quarterback the way it's currently constituted. But you think that could be changing depending on, who a new play caller might be. It's still going to be the Ryan Day offense, but you can tweak some things. Yeah, I think they could more more collegeify it um, maybe than they have. Like it, it feels very much like an NFL style passing attack, which is like an incredible selling point for Ryan Day, and it's why Ohio State's quarterbacks get drafted in the first round. But I, I think there are ways that they can help themselves offensively to lean more into some like more traditional, I guess, college concepts. Um, just to get easier offense. And then that, that I think lessens somewhat the, the, the degree to which your quarterback has to play for your, for your team to be successful. It still doesn't like lower to the point where the quarterback can merely be average. I think in Ohio state can win a national championship. I still think the baseline level for a quarterback to win a national championship most years is going to be good to great. And then sometimes it's, you have an elite guy. Um, but I think at the moment the offense we've seen the last couple of years, I would think Ohio state needs more of a great to elite guy. And I think with some subtle changes, and, and maybe that's what Ryan Day is entertaining by bringing in a new offensive coordinator, which is what we're expecting, um, they can more get by with a quarterback who is simply good rather than, you know, first-round talent. Great. Okay. That's interesting. That's a two-hour podcast in and of itself. That's a that's a four-question barrage with Ryan Day. Have you felt like – do you believe – the offensive system that you've been running requires a great quarterback. Is it sustainable to require great quarterback play? Would you like to create a situation where you don't put as much on your quarterbacks with the type of throws that you're asking guys to make, right? Is there not a Doug and Bill double team in a news conference? Like are, are there, are there philosophical things that are evolving in your mind about what you ask of your quarterbacks here? Because I do think, and and it's funny, like Mike Mike Rusowski, our great producer, like we're sending stuff. Hey, make a make a graphic that says this, a graphic that says this. We were going to do a Will Howard show like a week ago. So I sent like a list of graphics back then, and now we're doing the show now. And it's like, what about this graphic, Doug? It's like, I can't remember what that graphic was. But the, one of the things was like lessons learned for Ohio State. This ties into that. I was like, ah, pump the lessons learned thing. Do you believe the way the quarterback situation unfolded with both Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, that there are lessons learned that would maybe lead Ryan Day to say, you know what, maybe let's try to be in a situation where, again, situationally, patch versus plan is the thing I had in my head the other Mm. day. What's a patch? For 2024, what's a patch and what's a change in plan? Maybe it's a patch for one year with the quarterback that you have. Maybe it's a plan with what you want to do overall. But do you think that 2023, with the way the quarterback situation worked out, would lead Ryan Day to say, 
let's make it 20% easier for a guy to do his job. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would hope so. I, I, I think so. I, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe there was an expectation that they could just keep doing what they were doing with CJ Stroud. Cause like, why wouldn't you want to keep doing that? Um, with maybe without a rec- recognition of just how different CJ was. And I think maybe there was to a lesser extent with Devin Brown, because I think they were clearly doing some stuff with the run game to tailor the offense to Devin Brown. But I don't know if they tailored a whole lot to Kyle McCord, if I'm if I'm being honest. Now, if they did, I'm not saying that would have guaranteed better success because I, th- I think Kyle has flaws as, as a quarterback that were apparent throughout the year. But I think there's probably something in the back of Ryan Day's mind now that the offense needs to be maybe a little more malleable to whatever the quarterback strengths are. Um, and because they're changing considerably now with Will Howard coming in too, I think it, I think it has to be that way. If they come in, I think, and, and try to run what they ran with CJ Stroud with Will Howard, I think you're doing yourself and Will Howard a disservice. So, um, there needs to be some more wiggle room in there than I think there has been the last couple of years. So, my, this happens my kids are in, are in school, my younger daughter's in high school, and there's like you come across different classes where there are situations where you can take like the, the advanced level in something or the standard level in something and you know just depending on your strengths what fits in your schedule it's the same class but maybe the it's the advanced level has ryan day been operating an advanced level quarterback class at ohio state and if there ever was a guy who was like you know what i want to be an orchestra can i take standard level quarterback play instead he's like we don't offer that Right. So yeah. that it doesn't mean you don't offer advanced level quarterback play because CJ is like, I would like to take advanced level quarterback play twice. And yeah. also I'm going to do the, uh, the independent study with part of that. And could professor day, could I please have your home phone number? Because I'm going to have a lot of questions. So you don't take it away, but if you have a guy and it's okay, standard level, it's still good. It's still a good class, but maybe standard level hasn't been available and now they can make it available. Yeah, I I think so. Like and, and I, I like just look at what just won the national championship. What did JJ completed 10 passes and they won a national title, right? And like Georgia's offenses were very good, but you know, they didn't have Peyton Manning at quarterback and like Clemson won two national titles running the high school offense. That was just like RPO stuff all day. Like I I think there has to be a better understanding of what actually wins championships in college football or, or not to say that Ryan day's offense can't win a championship in, in college football, but is there a way to not overcomplicate things for the quarterback? If say he doesn't have the cerebral ability of a CJ Stroud and then tailor it more to what that guy can handle. And there's still, there's plenty of ways to have a, a successful college offense out of that. I just don't know how much, how much room Ryan day had to entertain those thoughts maybe prior to this year when his offense kind of unraveled on him. And this is one of these where it comes into Ryan Day's workload, where it's like, hey, uh, Professor Day, could you redesign the curriculum so we can offer both advanced quarterbacking and standard-level quarterbacking? And he's like, I'm the principal. I have to teach the class. No, I can't redesign the curriculum. But now, if it's like, you don't have to teach it, redesign the curriculum, and then someone else will teach both classes but just can you give us the standard level version of this this is like all the stuff that comes into play of like workload and and it's why the offense doesn't have to change it's his curriculum it's always been his curriculum but let someone else teach the class 
because sometimes you get to a point where like you don't have to be in the classroom when you when you teach the teacher. And so that that'll be okay. So I do it like standard level quarterbacking. And that's not a shot at anybody. It's just an acknowledgement that not everybody is CJ Stroud and not everybody is Justin Fields because they were both extraordinary college quarterbacks in very different ways. And you yep. can, I don't think you can expect that. And you certainly cannot be in a world where if you don't have that, it makes it significantly harder to win. Yeah. Of course, it's going to be a little harder to win, but I think you have to. All right, let's make it easier. So how much can they elevate Will Howard? And I want to deep dive him as a runner and him as a passer. So this is a brush across the top. There's some stuff when you watch this guy and some of it's like, it's a little inelegant at times. It's a little loose. Yeah. But there's some clay to work with here, right? Like, do you think, in the, so, so this was going to be the last question. We'll make it the first question. Can he elevate his game? Can Ohio State help him elevate his game? So, just like with Bo Nix and Michael Penix and Jaden Daniels, the quarterback you're getting is not the quarterback that you see by the time you get to September. Yeah, I, th I, th I think so. Um, I think that that's why this this marriage happened because I think both both sides believe that Will Howard wants to improve his draft stock in Ohio State. I think sees tools within Will Howard that it feels like it can bring more to the forefront um, than, than Kansas State did. And only because, you know, part of it's the weapons around you, right? It's And I don't, I don't say that as a takeaway from the quarterback himself, but you watch Kansas State sometimes, and at least in my opinion, like there were times like Will Howard makes really good throws, and they end up as incompletions or interceptions because the receiver didn't run his route quite the right way, or he dropped the ball, or he caught the ball and then inexplicably threw it up in the air and ended up being an interception. There's a lot of that. Tell, tell the 10 second story of that Texas pick. Yeah, I don't I don't know how it happened. He throws a throws a beautiful ball down the seam, like over a defender in front of a safety. The guy has to lay out a little bit for it, I guess, but he catches it and then like as he's going to the ground, it just pops out of his hands again and right into the belly of a Texas defender. And that's Will Howard's lone interception against Texas. And I'm not saying that every interception Will Howard threw last year was that way. He had in the three interception game he had against Oklahoma State, there were a couple of pretty terrible ones in there. Um, so I'm not I'm not saying that you know take every interception and, and play, put the blame on somebody else, but I think that there are you know there a not insignificant number of instances when you watch him play specifically when he's throwing the ball down the field where you think to yourself like that's going to look different when he's throwing to Ohio State players, and I think Ohio State feels the same way. So yes, I I do think they can elevate him as a passer for sure. 61.3% completions last year at Kansas State, 2,643 passing yards, 24 passing touchdowns, 10 interceptions, ran it for 351 yards and nine touchdowns. We'll get into that. The The game that I really watched um, in detail was from two seasons ago, the 2022 Big 12 championship game. That's a game where Kansas State beats TCU. TCU's undefeated. Kansas State beats him in the Big 12 title game. TCU still makes the playoff, makes the national championship game. And Max Duggan, the TCU quarterback, is number two in the Heisman. And in that game, like, he kind of outplayed him. Will Howard, like, kind of outplayed him. 
Will Howard in that game was 10 of 32 for 199 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Max Duggan was 18 of 36, 251 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Duggan did run for 110. Howard didn't do much on the ground. But I thought, like, from a competitive standpoint, that's like, hey, this guy played in a big game and made some plays. From a, okay, make some throw standpoint, we're going to get into a sequence when we dive into him as a passer from that game that I asked you to watch because I thought it was like, ooh. And that game, that Kansas State team was 2016 Ohio State because they had one offensive player, and it was Deuce Vaughn, who was their Curtis Samuel, who's their best running back, and he's also their best receiver. So they're splitting out Deuce Vaughn in that game. As Ohio State does, you put your receiver out as a receiver sometime, but Ohio State literally never. When they go empty, because they have their base personnel, three receivers, one tight end, one running back, but they go five wide, they go empty. I don't know that I've ever seen them throw the ball to the running back in that situation, ever. Literally ever. I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. Yes, they, but the, when they throw, they throw to the running back out of the backfield. I'm talking ever, literally ever. Is that too much to say? I think that's right. I mean, it's rare. It's rare for sure. I, I, maybe a check down or two, but it's definitely rare. They're throwing Will Howard in the Big 12 championship game two years ago is throwing deep shots to 5'8 running back Deuce Vaughn, who's lined up out wide because they have no one else to throw to. So anyway, like I thought that was a good like competitive situation. Didn't have weapons other than one dude and managed to win a game, made some big third down plays, ripped a couple throws. And so I think like there's something there that you can see you can get more out of. And Mike just had the graphic on the screen. The guy's 6'5", 240 whatever it is. Right. So th like there's some physical tools they were even talking about in the game. It's like, he's ripped an RPO throw at one thing. And it's like, he's looking downhill on an RPO throw. Yeah. Right. So like we made a little JJ McCarthy comparison. JJ McCarthy gets balls batted at the line, right? Like this guy's not going to get any balls batted at the line and he's going to be a big physical presence. And so I do think like just toolsy size, right? I think he looks comfortable in the pocket. I think there's a lot of tools there, but also sort of like high-level competition. He wasn't the starter in 2022, but Adrian Martinez, the Nebraska transfer, got hurt, right? And so Will Howard took over at the end of the year, then is the full-time starter in 2023. 27 career starts overall. He's played high-level football, and he's got a bunch of tools. And for as much as he's played, 6'5", 242, 27 career starts, Kansas State's all-time passing touchdown leader, he can look raw at times, Bill, yes. right? Even though yeah. he's a guy who has 27 career starts. Yeah, there are, and probably every game you you watch him play, there are some throws when they, when they come off of his hand. You're like, how did that happen? Um, just like weird, like not having a spiral. They're like kind of ducks. They're floating out there in the air or like his feet will be weird. And he definitely has some things he needs to polish as a passer. But that that was, I said this when, they, when we did the stump judges when they got him. I think that was true of every kind of available one-year rental in the portal, and that was clearly the direction Ryan Day wanted to go with this if he was going to bring in the transfer. There was no perfect addition out there. Um, Will Howard, you know, I guess short of Riley Leonard, who apparently didn't want to go anywhere other than Notre Dame, um, is probably the toolsiest guy who was available. We can talk about size, weight, speed, arm strength, you know, play extension, all, all that stuff. So I get why Ohio State land, landed here, but – He's not a perfect prospect. Like he, he's, a, you, you just said it. They, they brought in Adrian Martinez in 2022 to be the starter because they weren't sure that Will, Will Howard, who had started games prior to that, was quite ready to be the guy. And even this year, there were times when they put in Avery Johnson, a true freshman, to play. And and I think there were points in the middle of the year where people thought that Avery Johnson might take that job from him. And to be honest, 
if Will Howard had decided to go back to Kansas State, I don't know that it's a guarantee that he would have won that starting job against Avery Johnson. So I think that's all important to keep in the, in, in the back of your mind that, the, you know, Ohio State's not bringing in a guy who's got no doubt about it first round stuff. But there's there's a lot to like, I think, as long as you're confident that you can like bring it all out of him that I think can lead you to believe that he's going to be or can be a really good starting quarterback in college football and certainly better and more productive and more consistent than he was during his time at Kansas State. So there's two things that at play here that I want to talk about before we dig in more specifically on him as a runner and him as a passer. One is that w- would you prefer if you're going to get a portal guy who's playing at a power five program, but now is making a jump up in program, do you want tools? Because the, the thing that I think is a stark contrast here, I was much more excited about Sam Hartman at Notre Dame, I think, than you were. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And I think yeah, you were fair. right. Yeah. You turned out right to be right. Because like Sam Hartman is not toolsy. And Sam Hartman was was a finished product at Wake Forest. And so when he goes from Wake Forest to Notre Dame, all you're doing is thinking, well, let's have better talent around him. And then actually it's like, well, Notre Dame had a bunch of young receivers. They had a good tight end. They had a good running game, but they didn't have Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Buka. They didn't have Roma yep. Dunze and Jalen McMillan. So, so it's like, what, what better thing are you going to get? And he actually, I don't, he wasn't better at Notre Dame than he was at Wake Forest. He actually might've been worse because Wake Forest ran sort of a specific, specific kind of mesh, hold the ball, wait for guys to get open kind of offense that maybe fit him better. But that's a, like a non-toolsy one-year transfer. So in that situation, because I think it can be tempting to take the finished product. We know exactly what we're getting. Almost like do that same thing, but we have better guys, so it'll go up a little bit. Would you want a finished product, or would you want some mm. rawness that you still can work with and feel like you can bring more out of? I think in a place like Ohio State, I'd want the latter. Okay. Um, like a he is what he is kind of guy, I, I think can be successful, and like that's clearly what Sam Hartman was. I think that's probably what Dylan Gabriel is going going mm. to Oregon. Um, and like I think I think Dylan Gabriel could have been a very good starting quarterback at Ohio State too. Um, and has probably a higher floor than Will Howard. But yeah. I think Will Howard's ceiling at Ohio State could end up being significantly higher than Dylan Gabriel's. And I, I think I would err on we think we think this guy's ceiling is higher and we think we can get him there than I would let's bring in a low floor guy that just kind of like get us through, um, even if there's not a whole lot of dynamic play there. Okay. So then the second thing is, so like for a one-year guy, you'd rather take tools. We have to remember that there are multiple guys. The three guys that I just cited, Jaden Daniels, LSU, the Heisman winner, Bo Nix at Oregon, and Michael Penix at Washington, they were all transfers. They were all in their second years at their schools this year. Joe Burrow at LSU is a good example here too. And the year one was good, was good. Mm-hmm. But the year two is what became extraordinary. There, there is, we just have to be careful with every comparison we make, and we're going to make comparisons and dive in on Will Howard constantly between now and spring football, between now and the start of the season. You must only compare him to the first year at schools or the only year at schools to try to compare him to transfer quarterbacks. And what Nick's panics and Daniels did in year two, this year in 2023 is meaningless. Because that is the whole thing. Joe Burrow did not go to LSU and win the Heisman. Joe Burrow went to LSU and was good. And then he won the Heisman. You are not getting Heisman Joe Burrow. You are not getting Heisman Jaden Daniels. You are not getting 
national championship game, Michael Penix, because that was all in year two. And so I'm not saying that Ohio State should want a two-year transfer because I actually think patch not plan. I think they should have a plan that is high school quarterback recruiting, and this is not a change in plan. It is a patch. But sometimes you really get your bang for the buck with the second year in guidance system. Yeah. Yeah, no, you, you do. I don't know. What's the best example recently of the one year starter like elevating? I didn't have I didn't I didn't have time to go all the way through that. And that is a worthwhile project for sure. There's um, probably an obvious one that we're forgetting, but yeah, that's worth yeah. adding into. So so we just need to keep that in mind. Okay. So we need to keep that in mind. So now let's dive on Will Howard, and we'll do it right after this on Kings of Columbus. All right, Bill and Doug back to dive into Will Howard, both as a runner and a passer. And I want to start with the running aspect, Bill, because I do think one thing that happened, Ryan Day is a fascinating dude. Hmm. Ryan Day, and I've said this a million times, like once like an NFL, you just said it, he runs an NFL style offense. He wants a precision passer who can make all the throws, but also sometimes he just wants a guy who'll put his head down and run for five yards on third and three. And like, it's very difficult because sometimes it's hard to find guys who are both of those. And so I think Ohio state got a little stuck this year for all the craziness and all the waste of time spent about why doesn't CJ Stroud run more? He ran more than Kyle McCord did. And part of this is Kyle McCord, lower body ankle stuff. Probably right. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. But the bottom line is this, and I love the PFF stats on this. They break down quarterback running by scrambling and by designed runs. This season, Devin Brown and Kyle McCord combined, according to PFF, scrambled 10 times for 35 yards. CJ Stroud, the non-runner, in 2022, scrambled 18 times for 129 yards. And in 2021, he scrambled 11 times for 62 yards. So the quarterback play this year, under pressure, do something with your legs, was significantly worse, right? Even 2020, 2021 CJ Stroud, it's the same amount of scrambles. He got twice as many yards. So like you took out a quarterback doing anything with his legs. I made a federal holiday out of the fact that Kyle McCord scrambled for a first down against Notre Dame. And it's also the play where he hurt his ankle. But yeah. I asked Kyle McCord seven questions about it and asked him if he should get a medal for it because like it never happened. So I thought it was a ridiculous conversation with CJ Stroud because it's like, do you understand that he's Dan Marino? Like just accept that he throws it. So, but when you don't have that, Man, oh, man, do you wish your guy could scramble. So, Will Howard as a scrambler is very interesting to me because let me run through, since Ryan Day got here, scramble yards by the Ohio State quarterbacks. 2023, McCord and Brown, 10 for 35 combined. 2022, CJ, 18 scrambles for 129. 2021, CJ, 11 scrambles for 62. 2020, Justin Fields in the shortened COVID year, 33 scrambles for 308. 2019, the full Justin Fields, 42 scrambles for 322. 2018, when we made a federal case out of Dwayne Haskins not scrambling, and then he ran in the, the Maryland game, and again, people had a parade. 30 scrambles for 146. You thought Dwayne Haskins didn't move enough. He ran three times as much as Kyle McCord and Devin Brown and gained four times as many yards on scrambles. 2017 JT Barrett, 27 scrambles, 239 yards. And now that's Ryan Day's career, right? So JT 
Fields could, of course, run, but even Haskins and Stroud ran more than what they did this year as scramblers. Will Howard, seven scrambles, 42 yards. He does not scramble. He did not scramble. But when I was watching that TCU Big 12 championship game, there's a third and seven play where they brought six. They blitzed him, brought six guys. He evades it, and he ran for a first down on third and seven. He can do it. I think this is a critical component that Ohio State can elevate Will Howard and bring this out of him. I think it should be part of his game at his size and with his athleticism. The idea, you can see him, I think, a little bit on the film, Bill. See an opening and step up and not go. I think he needs to be much more like a 200-yard scrambler for Ohio State this year. Seven for 42 is not going to cut it because that's McCord and Brown stuff. That wasn't good, good enough. Nobody's going to expect him to be C.J. Stroud as a, as a diagnoser and as an accurate passer. So how do you make up for that? Do something with your legs in the yeah. pass game, not the design run game. We'll get to that. I think getting him to understand when to scramble is hugely important, and I think this is the number one place where he can elevate. I think so too. I, one of the one of the things that I noticed when watching him that I found a little concerning was I felt like he would hold on to the ball too long sometimes, and not necessarily sit on one read, but just kind of like go through his reads slow, and then you know someone's in his face and he's getting sacked. And I think there's probably more opportunities to be quicker about that process, but also to embrace your athleticism and like maybe once you get to number two. And that's not there. Just pull the ball down and run because he can run, which we'll talk about um, more here. It, it is. It's very odd to me that he has over a thousand design rushing yards and only eighty-five, I think, in his career scramble yards. I, I, that that discrepancy doesn't make much sense to me. Um, I I will say, like, I don't I don't know that I saw a guy who's like sudden in the pocket in a way where you can like spin away from pressure and then extend a play or then scramble. Like C.J. Stroud was actually very good at that. Um, but I do think, like to your point, the the field around you step up and then realize that there's an opening there for you to scramble rather than look for a throw. I think is where he can elevate, and, and I think needs to. It's it's a it's a critical piece, I think, of any successful offense that you know a quarterback can be as be a threat to get a little something with his legs when you call a pass and there's nothing there. And um, it, it's I I think it's worth pointing out that like C.J. Stroud probably did it more than we remember him doing it, but I still think there were opportunities for him to do it more. Like I can remember specific examples and get games against Iowa where he could have stepped up and scrambled and gotten something and instead took an incompletion or, or took a sack. So um, I do think that's critical. I, I think that is, and maybe it's not the number one way where I think Will Howard can elevate, but it's pretty high up on the list. I think Ohio State needs to get him more comfortable as a scrambler because I think to this point, he's not shown himself to be tremendously comfortable doing that. And, and you don't have to be spectacular, but it was so bad for Ohio State this year. Scramble yards, according to PFF, Jaden Daniels, the Heisman winner at LSU, led the nation with 721 scramble yards. Jalen Milrow, the fastest quarterback I've seen since Lamar Jackson, was second at 521. There were 31 quarterbacks that scrambled for at least 200 yards this year, just in the Power Five. There were... Yeah, this is just the 69 Power 5 teams. So there's that, like half, half the quarterbacks, 31 of the 69 scrambled for at least 200 yards. There were 55 quarterbacks that scrambled for at least 100 yards, Bill. That's practically everybody. Kyle McCord scrambled for 28 yards. 
Yeah. It's nothing. It's literally nothing. And I always said every time C.J. Stroud crossed the line of scrimmage, he became less dangerous than he was behind the line of scrimmage. But that's because – did you see what he did this year? Mm-hmm. Did you see what he did this year? He was an NFL quarterback in college. People were asking an NFL quarterback in 2022 to run more. It was ridiculous. They didn't have a starting. They didn't have an NFL quarterback in 2023. I don't know if they're going to have an NFL quarterback in 2024. Yeah, fair. I, I, okay. So guess what? It's what you said. In 2022, too often there were people who I think asked an NFL quarterback to play like a college quarterback at Ohio State. In 2023, a college quarterback too often played like an NFL quarterback. Let's acknowledge that Will Howard is a college quarterback and have him play like a college quarterback. You must scramble. You must scramble. Must scramble. Must scramble. You can do it. Designed runs. 109th. Kyle McCord was 109th in the Power 5. There's only 69 teams. There's 40 backup quarterbacks who scrambled more than Kyle McCord. It's insane. I'm blowing your mind with stats today. I mean, I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah, that's where I do. That's what I do. Put it on my tombstone. I knew. <laughs> I knew it was bad. Kings of the North, Kings of Columbus. I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. Designed runs. Total yards on designed runs this year. Ohio State quarterbacks, 43. Kyle McCord and Devin Brown combined. 2022, C.J. Stroud, 59 yards on designed runs. 2021, C.J. Stroud, 10. That's fine. Don't run him. He's too valuable. 10 yards on design runs. 2020, shortened COVID year. Justin Fields, 209 yards on design runs. 2019, Justin Fields, 366 yards on design runs. Dwayne Haskins, 2018, two, two yards on design runs. It's not what he does. JT Barrett, 2017. This is why Urban Meyer exploded. <laughs> JT Barrett in 2017, 657 yards on design runs. The next year they went to two. Yeah. And I still could picture Urban in my head when I asked you, like, what's this like for you to not have a running quarterback this year? And he's like, uh, uh. and that's 657 to two. Will Howard in 2023, 385. He doesn't have to be JT Barrett, but I think he is in the range of Justin Fields as a designed runner. And well, let's start with there. Let's start with their designed runs. Generally speaking, what would you like to see Ohio State do with Will Howard? I think he needs five a game. Is that high? Does that sound high to you? No, that doesn't sound high. And most of that's in the zone read and him just deciding legitimately to keep when you have a real threat at running back every time, right? It's yeah. his reads, and every now and then you run a QB power or something. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think he's really good at like I, I actually think the ability to like show the show the give and like kind of hide the football and pull it quickly is a skill and he seems to have it at a pretty high level um so i think there's a lot of zone read stuff in in there um but yeah you watch me there's there's straight quarterback runs quarterback power quarterback sweeps those kind of things you got to get him downhill quickly he's not a he's not going to string it out and then like plant his foot and get north kind of guy i think he needs to catch the ball and just start going forward immediately because he's not super shifty, um, but he's big. Obviously, I think he can run run over some people. And he's actually got like it's he he looks way faster than he should be. I think the the way that I 
decided on all my head is like, remember the JT Barrett run against Minnesota in 2014? Mm-hmm. I can picture it in my head right now. Snow. Every Will Howard run looks like that. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, how is he running away from people? But he right. does. It. Um, and it's effective. I don't, I, I couldn't give you a good explanation on it. Um, but he's like not explosive and shifty. He's just fast when he gets ahead of steam, I guess. So get him that head of steam as fast as you possibly can. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that you get the most out of the Will Howard experience if you're not running him a handful of times a game. And I'm not even talking about scrambles. I'm talking design runs. Yeah. What does this mean for the red zone? Ohio State touchdown percentage in 2023 was 64%. That ranks 47th in the in the entire nation. 2022, and we have to t- talk about this briefly, there was 74.6% touchdown percentage, which was six with a non-running quarterback. Generally speaking, okay, they are around 64, 65% red zone touchdown percentage under Ryan Day. And generally speaking, that's around 40th in the country. 2017, 66%, 2018, 61%. 2020, 64%, 2021, 64%, 2023, 64%. They have two good years since Ryan Day got here. In 2022, 75%, they were sixth. In 2019, with Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins running the ball, they were 78%. That was fourth in the country. Okay. So they've been very good in red zone touchdown percentage twice in Ryan Day's seven overall years here. One of them was because they had a great runner at quarterback and a great guy in the backfield. The other was the year when they couldn't run the ball at all but they had an NFL quarterback, I guess, just picking people apart in the red zone, right? Yeah. Will Howard's not going to be 2022. I, again, let's expect, let's set the standard for them at 75% red zone touchdown percentage. 2019, it was 79%, 78.7. Because he had nine rushing touchdowns this year and like all the consternation. This was a huge thing for Washington going into that game against Michigan. They were not a great red zone team because like any great throwing team, if you don't have a quarterback run threat, it can get difficult. Will Howard, I think, and that's why there was a Devin Brown package this year. That's why they tried to have a Tate Martell. Oh, no packages. You know what? Why is Will Howard bad for UPS? No more packages. He's a package. That Will Howard, he's a package. He's his own package. Sometimes in life, man, you've got to be your own package. Now we're just talking. Now I'm just giving people, I'm a life coach now. Be your own package. He is going to solve every red zone problem that Ryan Day, as a guy who likes to coach a passing offense, has thought he's had. He is the solution. I think they should be in the con- in contention to be the best red zone offense in the country in 2024. Yeah, I agree, especially with no, no, the running back condition with Junkins is part of that. But Will Howard, you said he had he had nine rushing touchdowns this year, yep. right? Eight of them were in the red zone. Um, and I think he doesn't have a lot of like quarterback sneaks for a guy who runs as much as he does and for a guy who's as big as he is, which is kind of strange. But um, that's how Kansas State used him, and I think that's how Ohio State needs to use him. And it's not even – people know this, right? It's not. It's not always him running the ball. It's – it's defense is knowing that he's willing to run the ball and then they don't sell out on your running back, which happens far too often with Ohio State when it's trying to finish off drive. So whether it's the, the threat or Will Howard actually keeping it himself, um, there's no reason why Ohio State can't take a tremendous step forward as a red zone team. Like, and I, I have some questions about Will Howard as a red zone passer, um, but I think his ability to run in that area of the field will, will help mitigate some of some of those concerns. And I, I if they don't take a, a tremendous step forward in red zone 
touchdown production this year, uh, I will have some serious questions for the offensive brain trust because yes. they have a quarterback now um, who should allow them to overcome some of the obstacles that have been in their way the last couple of years. What are we going to call the sneak? Kyle Pyle is pretty short-lived. Mm. Will The Will Spill? The Will Drill? The Will Drill? The Howard Powered? Howard we'll Power. Howard Power is not bad. Howard Power. They should be good at that. Let's talk about him as a passer. What do you think? Um, I think I see an ability to make all the throws that he needs to make. I don't see the consistency that would make me like super confident that he's going to quite get there in one year. Um, but I think there's enough there to to work with. Um, his deep passing numbers leave a lot to be desired. And part of that maybe is opportunity. Like Kansas State, I, I don't think is a big shot play offense. They like to run the ball a ton. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see what what is there for Will Howard in terms of becoming a more effective downfield passer. And maybe the answer is there's, there's nothing there. But I'd like to see Ohio State explore that a little bit because I think that's when Ohio State's offense is at its best, when it's running the ball well and effectively and explosively and pairing that with a deadly downfield play action passing attack, uh, I think is, is like kind of where Ryan day wants to be as an offense. And Will Howard was like pretty good on play action this year, but not a lot of that was, was stuffed down the field. So um, I, I think, I think he's an okay passer with the opportunity, I think to become maybe very good by the end of next season. I don't, I don't know that he had become elite. I don't think, one year's time is, is enough for him to get there. Ryan Day loves to talk about having a second year with a quarterback. Like he's, he's not going to get that here. Um, I, I do think like as you're looking for comparisons, I, I do think like some version of Justin Fields is not a terrible comparison. Like, but it's like 72% of Justin Field that Justin just has like next level athleticism, I think has some like next level touch on the deep ball. Like there's some stuff there that like Will Howard's not going to get there, but the idea that it's going to be a return to a running quarterback is a big deal. And just like a big physical guy. And it, you know, Justin Fields does not CJ as a passer, but Justin does some, a bunch of different things that CJ can't do. So just for Ohio state fans, it's, it's a, you know, it's a return to more like something like that. And I do think it is a challenge for Ryan day and whoever else may be coaching quarterbacks to try to take, the rawness that is still there and make it more consistent because you can see them rip it. And I, and I sent to you and I said, and I would direct anybody watching or listening this show it's on YouTube, go to YouTube and find the 2022 big 12 title game between TCU and Kansas state go to 1325 left in the third quarter. So it's the first drive of the second half. It's not the first plays, but it's the first drive of the second half. And he has a sequence of three straight throws. The first one's just an, an, an out to a receiver, the free money outs that Justin Fields just got nine to 12 yards on whenever he wanted it because yeah. DBs are, are, are so afraid of Ohio State receivers that they play off. And then if you just run a little quick out, like there's, it, it's one of those things when the Ohio State passing offense is working effectively that the, the opponent it, throwing a nine yard pass can look like you're throwing a medicine ball uphill while wearing a, a 40 pound weight vest and Ohio state looks like it was getting that 10 yards was like getting one yard. It's so easy. He makes a throw like that. 
Then he makes a throw to the tight end down the seam. The tight end is wide open, but it's that route, right, where you've got you've to angle a little bit. If it's a, it's a straight line route, you've got to put it in the right spot. You can't – hits the guy in stride. And then the third throw is a rip in a window for a touchdown to a receiver who has to go up and get it a little bit, but he has like one defender on his back. There's another defender coming across, and the result is three consecutive throws, three different types of throws – probably for like 60 yards total that moves them right down the field for a touchdown in a close game or in a conference championship game. And after the third throw, I shouted something while watching it that my wife called up and said, like, are you okay? (laughs) And so it's just like, I didn't know that was there. And to me, like, that's a sequence and that's a full season ago. You could have even watched that sequence, Landis, as a quarterback's coach and said, that's something to work with. Yeah. What did you think of that sequence? Yeah, I mean exa- exactly that. Like that'll work. I think is what I said to you when you told me to to look at it. It's like you said. It's three different types of throws, three different parts of the field, different like leverages to work around for receivers and, and defenders, um, and you know display of arm strength and touch. I think uh, across the board. So he has that. It's it's just a matter of of consistency. I think, and you know I, what, whatever the staff looks like. I think Ryan Day is going to be involved, at least in the offseason, with like helping Will Howard get a little more mechanically sound. And I think that will bring out more consistency when 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 they do that. So it's sequences like that that, that I think should and, and probably do give Ohio State a lot of hope that they can get something more out of Will Howard than what he was at Kansas State. And like I'm not like I I keep saying that like I'm not he wasn't a bad quarterback at Kansas State. He was just a little up and down at times. Um, and I also too, like people might see, oh, you know, 24 touchdown passes. Like you have to consider the nature of the offense too. It's not yeah. a heavy throw. It's not a heavy throw offense. Um, they, they run the ball basically as much as anybody in the country, Kansas state does. So there's not, it's not like he's dropping back 40 times a game every week and only coming away with a touchdown or two. Um, so you would, you would think with increased passing volume, which I'm sure he's sure to find at Ohio state, he would naturally find a little more production that way, but I'm not even concerned with the production so much at this moment as I am Ohio State finding ways to kind of bottle up that sequence that you're talking about and have that occur more frequently more frequently than I think it has occurred for Will Howard. But the, the mere fact that it's in there and then he showed an ability to do it, I think is incredibly promising. I don't think Cardale is a terrible comparison either, like a big physical quarterback who can throw it. And if you let him get out and scramble a little bit, can truck people sometimes. So I, I do think like Ohio State fans have seen guys – that, that you know what this might look like. But again, I think one of the shortcomings in 2015 was Ohio State not creating an offense to bring out the best of Cardale Jones consistently. And they tried to sort of do, you know, a Cardale Jones offense that was sort of like a JT Barrett offense. And they never leaned into Cardale's strengths. And the result was what happened in 2015 when they messed up the quarterback situation when you had two guys you should have been able to win a national championship with. And instead, you didn't win any. So I, I do think that, you know, the idea, and this is why it's going to be very helpful to Ryan Day to have somebody by his side who can really be a partner in crafting this. It really is going to have to be, again, you have to understand it. it's Ryan Day's offense. Everything's already there, but it's the, it's the magnets you pull off the board. It's the pieces you decide to emphasize and use. It's the packages in certain situations we're going to do. We have it. We're going to do more of this and less of this. Obviously you cannot put him in a CJ Stroud offense. It's going to, it's not going to work. Yeah. And I think to some degree, right. You can't, I think I think they wound up in a CJ Stroud offense in 2023 without CJ Stroud, and that was a problem, right? And so, like that, that a little bit I think is is a lesson here. And then 
go back and put Aaron Noland in the in the CJ Stroud offense in 2025 right. and let it rip, brother. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the, the you need to change the offense every year to whatever whoever your quarterback is. I don't you know, I don't think you need to go out and find quarterbacks to fit the offense. You go out and find the quarterbacks who didn't give you the best opportunity to win in that particular juncture, and then mold the offense around them, right? Which is an incredibly obvious thing to say, and maybe. I've actually, like Ryan Day, I think did a really good job of that with Justin Field. Like from Dwayne Haskins, I actually start with JT. From JT to Dwayne to Justin to CJ, I thought Ryan Day did a good job of that, but then got a little lost last year trying to continue it. And you get, I mean, you, there's just enough you can say that really is more about the consistency. He had an RPO throw on a third down where he, and they were talking, he's just angled. He's just, he's like downhill as a thrower because he's so big. Yeah. And he can see over the line and it's just like RPO. There's guy comes down, there's a slant rip. Right. And it's just like, bang, like that looks really good. There's a, it's not hard. There's a lot of that can, that can work. If you get a l- little more consistent on the deep ball, you certainly can roll this guy out. This guy has the feet to be able to do some more stuff on the move. Some of the first level read, second level read. And then if it's not there, run. I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff that, that you can do um, where you're giving him right half field reads, quick RPO looks if it's not there, and then every now and then take a deep shot. And I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of ways this can work. I think like I I don't when I like the the Cardell and Justin Fields comparisons, like I, I kind of get what you're saying, but I don't think Will Howard has nearly the arm strength of either of those two guys. Okay. Um, but I do think the way in which he could be similar to Justin Fields is the movement throw stuff, like play action, get him out on the perimeter, rolling to his right or his left. Um, obviously there's like natural play extension too that that's involved with that, but I like designed movement throws. Um, I don't think there were a ton of in, in Ohio state's offense last year. Um, there were some with CJ Stroud. If you think about like a lot of the play action, like half roll, take a shot down the field kind of stuff. I think you could see some of that come back into the offense too, because I, I do think, you know, he's a, Will Howard's a good athlete. He doesn't necessarily look like one when he's moving, but like, I think he's like a well-balanced dude. Um, who understands like spacing and like his environment around him in a way that can allow him to kind of get himself out of trouble at times, but also then operate on, on the perimeter while keeping his eyes down the field. Cause he's so big and making plays that they maybe just weren't available to Ohio state last year. So anything to do to embrace all that stuff. All right. You're good on quarterbacks. You want to talk about T? I would love to talk about T. Yeah. All right. We'll let you drink some tea during the break and then we'll come back and do what you're watching, what you're eating, what you're thinking next on Kings of Columbus. All right, we're back for the thing that everybody is is here for, which is what's Bill Landis doing with his life? People just, I mean, they miss it. They miss Bill. So, like, Bill, what you what you watching, man? I know you've been a little under the weather. Uh, does that mean that you've been watching more, or are you watching less because, like, you're just lying around with your eyes closed, or are you lying around with your eyes open on a screen? I've I've probably not done enough lying around with my eyes closed, which is why I, my voice still sounds like this um, a week later and my wife gets mad at me for it. So, um, but I have, I have watched some stuff. Um, it also helped too. That like, I, and this will go back to like cotton bowl stuff. Like when you travel, you get some time to watch some things. Um, I started watching Reacher, the show on, oh. uh, on Amazon. It's with dumb the as hell. huge with the yeah. huge rip dude. Yeah. It's the dumbest freaking show I've ever like. The guy is like simultaneously like the smartest cop, the smartest lawyer, the smartest detective, the smartest soldier, um, capable of physical feats that no man should be capable of, like an expert in guns, an expert in music. Like he's 
but if you can get by all that cheesiness, it's like kind of a good action show. Um, so yeah. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. Um, and I like, I watched the first season and like the second season's available now. And I watched the first couple episodes of that. And then I went to watch the next episode and it's like not available yet. And like, I'm always caught off guard by that. Like, why oh. is the whole series, why is the whole series not available for me to watch? But I guess I'm, I, I have not watched, I don't think I've ever watched an Amazon series before. So I don't know if that's how they typically do it. Um, but it looks like, I guess the episodes come out on Fridays. So I'm all caught up on it. Um, it's very dumb television, but it can be entertaining or it is, enter- it is entertaining. It's pretty violent too. Oh, really? um, yeah, I was not. And there's like, there's not a lot of nudity in it, but I was expecting no nudity. So there, and that caught me off guard too. I was like, Oh, okay. It's this kind of show. That feels um, like that kind of show where that big rip guy, they probably show his butt. You definitely see his butt. Yeah. Yeah. But there's some, I mean, I'm not going to describe it, but um, it's a pretty, there's some pretty gnarly violent things that happen um, on, on that show. So I've been they, enjoying that. They like cut off a guy's butt. Is that like, what? Uh, is they, the nudity they, and the violence intertwined? Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Um, they cut off a guy's butt. It's terrible. Yeah. We'll call it, we'll, we'll say, butt, sure. Um, and then uh, I watched the first John Wick movie the other day too. Oh, which I've been like, I think I, I think I might've said like many episodes ago that that's a film series that I wanted to watch because people seem to really love it. And I've only watched the first one. I think the first three are on Netflix. So I watched the first one the other day. It was awesome. It was really oh, good. For real? Oh, yeah. Okay. Again, like it's, it's, it's like pure action and violence and um, just like people basically getting killed for two hours, but uh, yeah. it's really, it's really well done. And like, I don't, I don't know enough about that world to know, like if it was a book first, if it was made for, for a film or not, but it's like, it's interesting the way that they've like crafted the world of professional hitmen in that show and like how how that like underbelly sort of operates. It's it's kind of fascinating. So when you are watching violence, do you want to watch violence by a normal size guy or by a big puffed up rip dude? Oh, I think I prefer normal like a, from a normal size person. Because I will say I saw the Reacher commercial with this big puffed up rip dude, and I was like, I don't think I know who that is. Where has this guy been? He's so big. And so puffed up. He's the biggest guy beating people up since Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Because he's even like bigger than The Rock. And I will say, I kind of like the big puffed up rip dude. Like I'm intrigued by this big puffed up rip dude on Reacher. Whereas like John Wick is like, I don't know, Keanu Reeves, like he was in a movie with Diane Keaton. Now he's shooting somebody. I don't know. That's not my thing as much. Like I want, like if you, I, I don't know. I don't want a normal sized person. I want a bigger than life. So that guy could that guy be the next Schwarzenegger? Do you think he's so big? He's gigantic. Yeah, I don't. I, I think he could be. Um, excuse me. The thing that's funny about the Reacher stuff is like the the, the books have been around for a couple of years, but the first I think film thing was a movie, and the character was played by Tom Cruise, who's like four feet uh, tall. Yeah. And but but and I guess I guess when that happened, like people who have read the books are really upset because the character in the book is like a gigantic human being. So this guy is more is more true to the uh, the oh. source material. Oh, good for gigantic guys. Yeah, getting their chance. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what I was what I watched was uh, Maestro on Netflix. It's the Bradley Cooper movie about Leonard Bernstein, and it just makes me laugh because we're in this world now where what would have been gigantic, you know, huge releases in movie theaters in the past are like now released on Netflix, and it just makes me laugh. Bradley Cooper apparently like learned 
to conduct symphonies for six years because he said he didn't want to imitate Leonard Bernstein. He wanted to embody Leonard Bernstein. Mm -hmm. He wears old man makeup in this movie. He wrote it. He directed it. He stars in it. And like we had to search for it on Netflix because like it didn't come up in the most popular stuff because like people are watching like beach bingo or something. And it just yeah. makes me laugh that Bradley Cooper, his life's work is to fully embody in writing and directing and acting this sort of legendary, but yet kind of unknown complicated figure in American culture. And then he goes to look forward on Netflix and like, he can't find it because that movie uh, with like the naked guy, you know, the one with the, like the weird, the big fat co like comedian who's like a naked guy, like Fred that movie. Yeah. yeah. That like that movie's there. That came up in my feed, but I had to seek out Maestro. So, like, it was fine, but I just cannot get over, like, Oscar bait popping up in my Netflix feed. And, like, I just, I always think about the people who made it being like, hey, Bradley, so are are you in the top 100 on Netflix today? It's like, no. That nine-year-old John Mulaney special beat me again, <laughs> beat my life's work. And so I don't know. I kind of like going to movies. So I wish I would have gone to see it in a movie because it's like a big giant movie. It's fine. But it didn't feel like I should be watching it on Netflix. And I still I still get hung up on that. Did you want to see it because Leonard Bernstein is an REM lyric, or did you do you have an affinity for Leonard Bernstein? I, I don't want to ruin it for people. It pops up that part. Oh, really? So I mean it's just a big fancy movie. I don't know. It's a big fancy movie. So it's fine. I did not think to myself, I really, I need to understand what made this the first great American composer. What, what made him tick? That wasn't what I was doing. I was like, ah, oh, Bradley Cooper did a thing. So anyway, did that like, come out? Did, did that come out too late to be a part of this award cycle or did no, it just it came get, out like in December? It came out like so it just, December 22nd. So they squeezed it in for the Oscars and, and then they like squeezed it on Netflix, but it wasn't like nominated for like, I was watching the golden globes, like half, the other night like half paying attention oh, yeah. it wasn't there's wasn't nominated for fancy any? movies there's too many like it's it's oppenheimer and killers of the flower moon are taking all the fancy movie stuff i think right yeah. now so yeah he's gonna get a little squeezed out so like it's fine it's fine uh what are you eating can you eat or are you on a full hot liquid diet and that's it yeah i mean i i can eat but i've been mo eating mostly soup um soup and toast and mm. uh raisin bran have have uh, which I, I realize doesn't kind of go with the other two um but that's mostly what i've been eating and also like probably enough cough drops to kill a person yeah um which i there's there's probably i'm eating the sugar-free ones thankfully but there's still probably a limit right to how many cough drops one person can and should eat no 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 okay. cough drops if so i'm i'm i'd be dead because right cough drops secret candy of school children wasn't that the best? I mean, like when you grow up in the North and it gets to February and it's like <laughs> third grade teacher, I have and to have my cherry Ludens, yeah. my delicious cherry Ludens. There was a time when it would have been like, what is Doug's favorite food? It's like one pizza, two cherry Ludens. So like, you're fine. What a great excuse. You got one it's, in it, right now. I do. Yeah. I've been eating them nonstop. It, it was a sad realization for me though, when, um, you kind of like had to drop the act and like stop eating cherry ludens because they didn't actually help you if you if you legitimately needed cough drops. Yeah. Then you, right. then you had to go to the ones that tasted more medicinal. Yeah. Yeah. No, cherry. There's an evil genius who 
created yeah. cherry cough drops. All right. So I brought a visual aid for what I'm eating because it's not just what I'm eating. It's where I'm eating and what I'm looking at while I'm eating. So we are revisiting again my local Texas roadhouse where I extolled the virtues of the lunch special there where you get a six ounce steak and two sides for like 12 bucks. And it's just like, this is such value in this day and age. But they also have a mural. And I always try to think about this. I think about, I try to be in situations that are familiar and think to myself, how would I take in this situation if I was here for the first time? If I was someone just driving through and I just was here for the first and only time in my life. And so I tried to do this with this gigantic mural that is painted on the wall at my Texas roadhouse on Polaris Parkway, uh, north of Columbus. It is a mural of Jack Hanna, legendary Columbus Zoo guy, and Johnny Carson, because Jack Hanna used to go on Johnny Carson. He used to go on David Letterman. And it's there's a, an orangutan. There's a stork. There's a raccoon. There's a tiger. And there's an armadillo in a cowboy hat. And they are all sitting on the set with Jack Hanna, who's holding an alligator, and Johnny Carson. And it is just painted on the wall of Texas Roadhouse. And I always appreciate it when I go in there, but I was trying to think to myself, what if I just was somebody in Cleveland who was driving through on my way to Cincinnati and I decided to stop for lunch at Texas Roadhouse off Polaris Parkway and I saw this mural, I would freak out. Yeah. I was driving to Disney World and I stopped for lunch in North Carolina and this was on the mural of the restaurant where I stopped. I would go crazy it's johnny carson johnny carson is legitimately one of the 25 most important people in american pop culture in the last hundred years it's johnny carson and the columbus zoo guy that used to be on his show it's a very good likeness land as you're watching it if you're listening on the podcast you just have to trust us this is a crazy mural can you imagine eating a steak next to it no because i've had i would have too many questions because the the chimpanzee, the stork, the alligator that's on Jack Hanna's shoulders, the raccoon, the tiger, and is that an owl? Are are like lifelike representations of those animals. And then yeah. there's a cartoon armadillo dressed like a cowboy. And is there also a cartoon alligator on the in the corner hiding behind the chair? Yeah, the I cartoon, think so. And the, like, ar why, the cartoon armadillo is smoking a cigar. Why, like, why, 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 why are there two cartoon animals, and why is one of them dressed like a cowboy smoking a cigar? I, and I mean, I just would want to be at this Tonight Show taping. Would you yeah. not? Like, what a great time everybody's having. Yeah, but, is but that, Jack who was the guy? Was it? Was it? Was it Ed McMahon? Was that? Was that his? Yeah. Did Ed McMahon Side, ever yeah. dress like a dress like an armadillo cowboy? Is that what they're getting at? The armadillo cowboy killed Ed McMahon and took his job. Yeah. It really looks like Jack Hanna. And again, if you don't know what we're talking about, Jack Hanna, who like was the guy who ran the Columbus Zoo, made the Columbus Zoo famous, and he would be the guy that would go out on these late-night talk shows and bring on live animals, and then the animals would interact with the host. He did it on Johnny Carson, did it on David Letterman. And like I can remember watching Jack Hanna like before I lived in Columbus. It's like, now I live in Columbus, and this is Jack Hanna land. So yeah. I just... If you're listening on the podcast, go find the picture. It's it's up on, uh, on the YouTube show, and I just... Um, I wanted to appreciate it like a tourist because if I was coming back from vacation, I would be like, you would not believe what I saw in South Carolina. Yeah. It's the first thing I tell everyone about. Yeah. And instead yeah. it's three miles from my house. Yeah.
All right. What are you thinking about? Uh, I'm not thinking about a whole lot. And I, I think you have a more involved one. So I'll keep uh, mine short. We were, and it's not even a thought really, but um, we were the day we were supposed to record this last week um, was my son's first birthday. Oh, and we ended up, and we ended up not, re- we ended up not recording it, but I wanted my thinking then was going to be to wish him a happy birthday. So I'll just wish him a happy belated birthday here on this yeah. episode. Georgie, uh, five, Georgie five, boy's five, doing five. good. He's doing good. Yeah. He's gigantic. He's tall enough now to, uh, to reach the doorknob on our front door, um, which is wow. great. Yeah. He's not walking yet, but he can like hold himself up and stand. Um, so now we have to like rush to baby proof our entire home because he's too tall. You want to know, I just saw this, this popped up in my Instagram feed. People said it's, it's like an, inst- it's a trick to help a baby walk is you give the baby a ball to hold in each hand. And so someone was like, I saw this on Instagram to see if it works. And they did it to their baby and the baby didn't walk, but it stood for the first time on its own for like oh. 10 seconds. It's almost like they're, they're focusing on the balls and they're not thinking. And then they just walk. So, Oh, that's interesting. Maybe we'll try yeah. that later on today. Plus maybe you'll turn him into like a shortstop or a pitcher. Yeah. That'd be great. So happy birthday to George. Right, did he have like his one year checkup yet? Are you getting like percentiles for height and weight or anything yet? We did not have that okay. yet. I don't. I don't think. I know he's. Love the percentiles. Yeah, weight weight wise, I think he's he's okay. He's like kind of middle of the pack, but length wise, he's been off the charts every time we've we've gone. Length is what matters. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Landis is all about length. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this is what I'm thinking about, and this is what we're going to talk about Michigan very briefly. I just am reminded of the fact, and I and I duh. The last two seasons, Ohio State played the national champions down to the final play and down to the final minute. And so for all the things that Ohio state needs to improve for all the things they are going to fix for all the changes they are making with the coaching staff and in the transfer portal, the last two years, they were right there first with Georgia and now with Michigan. And I know it is impossible for Ohio state fans to look at a Michigan national championship that way, but I can't help, but, but think about that to some degree, Bill, because I do think it is very different of like, man, Ohio State can't get by Michigan and Michigan's not even a title contender and Ohio State couldn't get by Michigan and Michigan went 15-0 and won it all and beat everybody in their path. And I, I think there is something to that. And the idea that Ohio State is that close because sometimes, I mean, that has not been the focus. No. The last two months around Ohio State football, it has not been they are that close to being a national championship team. But is that not something that you would take away from this season that for all their flaws, they are that close to being a national championship team? Did that, are you thinking that way or no? No, uh, no. Um, I, I don't think it's wrong to think that way, but I think there's probably a large group of people of the belief that Ohio state is like really far away from competing for a national championship. And I, and that's a good reminder that they're not. Um, but I'd be lying if I said my mind went there last night when I was watching Michigan win the national title. Um, I think it's, it's just, it's hard to look past the Michigan of it then. And then like take the logos off of both teams and say to yourself, Ohio state was, like one play away from beating the eventual national championship the last two years. But I don't, I do think it's valuable perspective. It's probably worth keeping in mind. Um, but I hadn't really thought of it until right now. Oh, good. Okay. I mean, I thought yeah. about it a lot. And like, I know, I know, I know. Like for Ohio State fans, I, I obviously, 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 like you can't. 
But if you could, I, I, I do think, because I think both things are true. And I don't know, Ohio State is the most both things are true thing. I think team you could cover in almost any sport. They're simultaneously achieving at a high level, completely collapsing on themselves. Yeah. Right? They're, they're simultaneously historically excellent and falling short of everything they're trying to do. Right? I mean, like they, all these things are true at the same time. But the thing that I have always said for the past several years is like they're on two paths, right? There's the national championship path and there's the beat Michigan path. And what happened was, is like Ohio State didn't converge those paths. Michigan converged those paths for them. So previously, the way I evaluated Ohio State before the 2023 season is like, man, they're trying to win a national title, but they can't beat Michigan. So they have to beat Michigan, but they might be able to win a national title anyway, but they're separate things. Little did we know that we would get to a point where beating Michigan and trying to win the national title was the same thing because Michigan was the best team in the country. And again, we talked about this a lot on Kings of the North. I know there's a lot of people watching and listening to this who did not consume Kings of the North. There's somebody on Twitter who said like, listen, guys, I, I, I appreciate the show. I downloaded it to give you a download. I cannot watch it. We get that. Appreciate that. Yep. Which is why we're giving you a tiny, tiny sample of this right now. I think Michigan was underestimated this season because of the soft schedule and because of the sign stealing stuff. And so it was hard to get a view on Michigan. And I think, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I think I said all year, Michigan's good. Michigan's good. Michigan's good. Michigan's good. I think there were some people who thought Michigan was overrated. And I think that affected in the moment, the view of the Ohio state, Michigan game. A lot of people picked Ohio state. A lot of people thought that was going to be Michigan's comeuppance. That was going to be was like, okay, they, they were only winning because of the sign stealing. They're not that good. They're a fraud. They haven't played anybody. And then Michigan wins. And now to see what they've done, what they've done in the three games since then against Alabama, against Iowa, Alabama, and Washington, I do think it should affect the perception to some degree. So I think I tried to tell people all year, do not underestimate Michigan. It does it does you no good as an Ohio State fan to think that Michigan sucks when they don't. All you're doing is like setting yourselves up for failure because you think, ah, oh, we're going to beat Michigan. They stink. Or you're like underestimating your own team because you're going to think that if they lose to Michigan, it's, it's a complete failure by Ohio State rather than acknowledging that Michigan's a very talented team that does a lot of things well. And so if you ever were on the Michigan stinks bandwagon, what has happened is that's been proven wrong. And I think in some way, if you could let it happen, I think it should be 5% soothing to Ohio state fans, even though I know I'm talking into the void and nobody agrees with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be the one to tell Ohio state fans that I know but it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice sentiment. I'm just trying, I'm trying to help people enjoy their team more. Final survey, what is closest to how you feel about Michigan winning the national title? I'll just give you the results. The winner with 55% of Ohio State fans on our tech service, 614-662-4509. If you would like to pay for me to demand for you to think about Michigan winning the national title. Oh, great. Hey, I'm shoveling snow. What's the text about? How do I feel about Michigan winning the national title? I'm sure getting my six bucks this month. Thanks, Doug. Tell you what you're getting. 55%. I'm miserable. I hate Michigan. And the fact those cheaters won has me sick. 55%. I'm frustrated. 31%. Ohio State should have beaten Michigan. The Buckeyes could have won it all. 
7%, I'm soothed. Hey, if Ohio State was that close to the national champs, Ohio State isn't that far off, and it showed the Big Ten is legit. 7%, I don't care. I care about Ohio State. What Michigan does the rest of the time doesn't matter to me. 7%. I'm excited. Sure, it's Michigan, but go north and cram it, SEC. 1%. 1. I know you're giving the zero. 1. Wow. 1%. We're wow. slowly building the northern com- camaraderie. 1% of the people view Michigan winning the national title as go north and the south can cram it. I can't believe that. That's a victory for Kings of the North. That's Kings <laughs> of the North influence at work. Bit by bit, 1% at a time. But again, overall, 55% miserable, 31% frustrated. 15% everything else. I'm not surprised by that, but I, I thought I miserable would be higher. Oh, good. See, again, yeah. yeah. I just think in the end, like when you lose, if it turns out the team you lost to is really, really good, it should make you feel a little bit better about yourself. That's all. Okay. Yeah. We'll be back with more Kings of Columbus. We have other plans. We'll be back with more Kings of the North. That's in a separate feed. Subscribe on YouTube to Kings of the North. Subscribe on your podcast feed to Kings of the North. Here, Kings of Columbus, we will continue to be in this feed on YouTube and on your podcasts for the podcast as we jam in these gigantic, long, deep discussions about Ohio State football with all the other great content that we have percolating here on the podcast. Thanks to Mike Yurosowski, our great producer. For Bill Landis, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Kings of Columbus.